Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Cameron Jones from Cold Classics Podcast. Uh, this is our last treat for Halloween. We sat down with independent filmmaker Mike Petchy to talk about his short films, 12KM and Who's There. Uh, we also talked a little John Carpenter Halloween and uh, kind of rated our favorites a little bit, so we hope you enjoy. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. Uh, we have Mike Petchy, uh, independent filmmaker, uh, producer, director, uh, all the above. So uh, we were lucky enough to watch your short films, uh, 12KM, Kilometer, and Who's There. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you want to start just by giving us like maybe a short elevator pitch on these uh, two short films we watched? Sure, man. Uh, first, I want to say thanks for letting me on the show, man. I'm a big fan of what you guys do. Um, oh, thanks, man. No problem. Yeah, dude. And uh, yeah, I got two... I've got two what I like to call proof of concepts that are that aren't out to the public. Actually, they're still private. But um, one's called Twelve Kilometers. It's a uh, basically a story about a 1980s Russian drill team that, uh, in real life, uh, dug the deepest hole known to man, um, and they dredge up something horrific. Um, and that one was made a few years ago uh, as a proof of concept that uh is now being developed as a feature and then uh the second piece oh, that's awesome yeah man well, i can tell you all about it the second piece um is a movie called who's there which was my second proof of concept a film that i i wrote after doing the hollywood pitch process and learning a bit more about what certain production companies were looking for um mm-hmm. and uh, this is a movie about a evil box that uh, when you listen to the box you're marked um and there's a knock at the door and if you answer that door you're taken um so uh two wildly different films um but they're both you know similarly my style kind of creepy kind of dark um so and i do want to just say i did enjoy them both thoroughly uh i started kind of diving into the rest of your film work after that i've only kind of it's the tip of the iceberg but uh, i i'm loving what i see oh thanks man i really appreciate it i i understand um that you run the gamut <laughs> when you're talking to like independent filmmakers and these movies both uh, were made with the intent to feel like they were huge. You know what I mean? So they, they, and, and it definitely came across like that. Awesome, dude. I'm happy that you guys, Even, like anything from as little as like the, the music score, just everything all around acting, cinematography. It was great. Thanks, dude. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It was the only way to, I mean, I've been directing commercials and music videos for years now. I've been doing this stuff for like 18, 19 years. So if I'm going to, you know, sit down, uh, and, uh, spend my own money, I'm going to try to make something that uh, A, impresses me, and then B, uh, go somewhere. <laughs> no, I definitely definitely understand that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was actually interested in that, and I, I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, both Mark and myself are actually in a in a touring band, and I, I did see uh, you kind of uh, looked like started in photography and kind of the music video scene. How did you get started with that? So years ago, I years and years ago, I went to school for directing, came back, and then um, I... I lived in Boston, or I used to live in Boston. I'm now in Los Angeles. Um, 
But uh, I came back, and as a director, I, I couldn't convince any old-school DPs to work for me because I didn't have any experience, and right. uh, so I had to teach myself how to shoot. So for years and years, I was teaching myself how to be a cinematographer, mm -hmm. and uh, one of the easier ways to do that, especially in the film days, was to actually shoot stills and uh, practice with still film, um, which like strangely uh, set me off on like a separate career path, and I became a photographer for years. Um, and then um, I was a cinematographer, uh, more than a director for quite some time. And I met with uh, my old business partner, uh, Ian, and he uh, was doing music videos. He was in a band, so he had access to music videos. So he hired me to be the cinematographer on one of his first videos um, and uh, realized pretty early on that uh, I did a lot of directing with him. So we ended up becoming co-directors. Um, cool. And then that sort of dove us deep because of his access we were able to do stuff for some pretty huge like uh you know we did agnostic front we did all the biggest well, i was just like like kill switch engage as i lay dying oh, yeah, uh yeah. let's see our last night in periphery those are kind of more on like our our edge of the music scheme yeah i mean it's awesome uh, yeah we've done i think i just didn't do the last video but we've done almost all kill switch videos um a huge fan of those guys i love those guys they're, they're also massachusetts dudes um, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, dude, it was great. Music videos was, uh, was like a really cool way for me to test a lot of techniques and to really get comfortable directing. And, um, it was a lot of fun directing the music videos. How much of it was your input? How much of it is the band input? Would you say? Cause actually funny enough, we're kind of in the process of direct, of starting three new music videos for us right now. So kind of <laughs> fun insight for us. It always depends on the artist. You know, there's, you know, when we first started and we would just get treatments or, or we would just get briefs from bands. And, uh, a lot of the time, uh, it, honestly, uh, at the risk of insulting. Honestly, a lot of these bands would watch a movie and they'd be like, oh shit, let's do that again. And so we just get a lot of like, right. the, like, hey, let's do something like The Matrix or let's do something like Fight Club. Um, and that was for years and years, that was the case. And we were trying to uh, really challenge them. And I don't really come from that world. My business partner came from that world, but I don't. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was always like, let's tell a cool story. Let's break some rules in the genre. And it's also, it's really hard to do that in the rock and the heavy metal world because those guys, they have their, they have their rhythms, they have their clicks. It's like, you're either a derivative of Black Sabbath or you're a derivative of somebody else. And, right. <laughs> and they sort of fall into this, or they ran the risk of falling into like, you know, the black t-shirts, can't show emotion, you know, swinging green lights, <laughs> that kind of <laughs> no, thing. No, I totally understand. And uh, it took us years to talk them out of it. I remember, uh, 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 Fear Factory, actually. Fear Factory was one that we, I, I really pushed hard against um, because they were, wanted just sort of like the similar video that fits in that genre. And I remember saying to Burton, uh, who's the lead singer, I was like, dude, I want the video to be yellow and blue. And he's like, yellow and blue? He's like, that's not metal. I go, no, it is. And he goes, well, why? And I go, because you say it is. So let's just make it metal. <laughs> Um, so <clears throat> it was interesting. It, it got to a point with us where once you start doing enough stuff, like we did the Meshuggah bleed video and that kind of changed a lot for us. Oh no, I totally understand that just cause I mean, in, in our process right now, we are definitely hitting a wall of like, what can we do that has not already been done or is a representation of something else already. So yeah, I, I totally get that. So that's awesome to hear. Yeah. You got to just lean into it too, though. There, there hits a point where, um, everything's been done. Everything's been said. You know, everything like how many movies are out there about a creepy, you know, toy box, which is who's there. Like, right. All this stuff has been done. But 
it's all about you telling it. It's all about it being processed through your life experiences and through your tastes. And I, I think if you uh, just accept a specific thing and you lean into it hard and you make it as good as you possibly can, then it stands out within that genre. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Uh, just kind of circling back to just like your start, uh, were you were you the type of person that made like a lot of home movies as a kid and kind of enlisted your friends, or did, was it kind of something later in life you fell into? <laughs> um, well, as a kid, I mean, I was the I always had my hands on the video camera, but I really wasn't doing home movies and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I always wanted to be a comic book artist. So, um, oh, cool. much younger, I was always like tracing through panels and like trying to figure stuff out and like figure drawing, and then I took a lot of classic art courses as a young kid and learned how to like oil paint and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I was a terrible high school student. I hated school. Um, and when I uh, graduated, that well. Yeah, well, yeah, when I graduated, <laughs> um, I ended up applying to like one of the art schools that I really wanted to get into and they denied me. So that changed my whole path. And at that time I was working as a full-time manager at a music store. So I was really involved with music. I loved music and I loved playing uh, new music for people and exposing them to it. Uh, so I was like, I'll, I'll become a radio DJ. And so I went to community college for that. I had my first late, late, late night show, radio show. It was like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. And I remember the program manager came up to me and he was like, okay, so at the bottom of the hour, you can play all the CDs with a green sticker. At the top of the hour, you can play all the CDs with a blue sticker. And I'm like, well, why the fuck am I here? Like, what, what is this for? And right. this, this was right around the time that MP3s are coming out. And you had all these players. And I'm like, this job is going in, going extinct. So I'm, I'm not going to do this. And I just happened to be taking a course uh, to fill credits uh, on film. And uh, I, I sat in a, in a classroom and I watched Blade Runner. And I talked to the professor. And my, my eyes were just really sort of open. It's like that moment that someone just pulls the veil. And you're just like, holy shit. Um, and I'm like, this is everything. Like, this is what I love about comic book illustration mm-hmm. and framing and telling a story on a two-dimensional image. And this is also what I love about music and, and the emotion that music conveys. Um, I got to learn how to do this. And so I dropped everything and uh, went to a short stint at a film school and, and became a director. That's awesome, man. Well, let me tell you, you dodged a bullet because there's definitely some videos hidden of me of my own Star Wars kid kind of stuff, special effects. So you lucked out. <laughs> no, no. Brief moment. Maybe if I had oh, those, I'd be more Spielbergian at this point in my career. <laughs> oh, no. There's definitely a video of me after Titanic came out. And we're like, I'm going to get into special effects that I really don't want ever to surface. So you're, you're, you're totally fine. <laughs> That's cool. Well, dude, there's some videos circling within my family of, uh, of us doing like Christmas pageants and me singing Disney songs and stuff that my mom <laughs> is like holding over me. <laughs> She's like, as soon as you get big, this shit goes to entertainment tonight. I'm, I'm releasing it. <laughs> yeah. We have a few old band performances where I just look like a little uh, chipmunk out there holding a guitar that I'm hoping just never surface, but uh, I know they're somewhere. I, I know it well. <laughs> yeah, dude. Same thing. <laughs> Uh, are, what what type of uh, cult classic kind of hidden gem movies would you like to let people know about maybe that you grew up watching or just maybe even more recent ones now that you think are kind of obscure that people could get into? Oh, well, it depends on how deep you want to dig, man. Like, uh, you know, give me give, give me a little give me a little everyone. What's a, what's a surface level one that people probably have heard of that, you, that you're really into? Uh, they, they probably have heard of that are cult classics. Hmm. I would say 
You know what? I won't even say cult classic. Just something that you're obsessed about. A movie that you're obsessed with. Well, dude, in general, I can go deep on this. I love this shit. So. I know. I know. That's such a shitty question. I know. It's like asking, what's your favorite band? But, you know, just give me a, give me a little sample. No, no, no. Like, you go back and, like, anything old John Carpenter. Like, any old John Carpenter. Like, the original uh, Assault on Precinct 13. I love that movie. Absolutely love that movie. That's... Uh, that sequ- I don't know if you've ever seen it, but the uh, sequence with the little girl on the ice cream truck, fucking amazing. Mm, I've actually not seen that one. Oh, we just actually dude. got done watching uh, the original Halloween for the podcast. I think that's going to be coming out next week. So uh, we are in the John Carpenter world right now. Okay. So you watch the original Halloween. You should watch mm-hmm. Halloween 2. And I'm going to go on record, and I'm going to say a very controversial statement here. I actually like Halloween 2 more than I like the first Halloween. Well, that totally makes sense, though, because it's kind of like a, it's somewhat the same story, but it's with a much higher budget. It, it, I, I totally get that. The uh, real question of. is, where do you land on Halloween 3? Oh. I think that's where people are going to love or hate you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. Over here, we're kind of anti-Halloween 3. No. It's hard for me to separate. Ah. Dude, I... dude. Fuck Halloween three. <laughs> okay, thank God. Okay, cool. Then, then we're totally fine. No, this no, podcast no. can air. Yeah, no, no, no. Fuck that movie. Two. I love two. Two. I just love the whole idea that it just picks right up. Like he literally sits up on the front lawn, and then the movie continues, and it goes to a hospital, and they, and it goes into that portion of the first movie, which is safety. You know, like the paramedics show yeah. up, the cops show up. This just goes right into it. It's like there is no safety. There's no hiding. Well, you're going to love our take because I, I think our Mount Rushmore was exactly that. It was two, then one. So awesome. Yeah, dude. It's uh, What do you think of uh, the uh, the remakes, the Rob Zombie ones? Um, I Look, I grew up loving Rob Zombie. I, I used to listen to White Zombie. I loved White Zombie stuff. And he even liked it when he did his own solo stuff. Um, and he's another, he's another kid that was born in, in Massachusetts. So he's like a homeboy mm-hmm. kind of thing. And... Uh, I really liked um, The Devil's uh, Rejects. I thought that was a great fucking movie. And I thought that was the ultimate... Hillbilly uh, horror kind of thing. ...place for him to do his whole like redneck, clown, weird, Texas chainsaw horror thing. Really great. Um, but then getting into the Halloween series, I think the biggest mistake made there... And who, who the fuck am I to judge? <laughs> but I think the biggest mistake there was um, the fact that they, they had to go back and like uh, humanize... Uh, yeah, I, I do kind of agree with that. I like, I mean, for the most part, he did keep pretty true to it. I thought he might go a little Rob Zombie crazy, and except for like the end scene, it was fairly true to the original telling, which I liked. Sure, but the, I, dude, the thing I always liked about the original John Carpenter is that it was just pure evil. It was straight pure yeah. evil, and it was there was no reason behind it, and it wasn't the that wasn't the important part of the story. And I think that a lot of more recent films, everybody gets hung up on like. Character. The psychological like, reasons yeah, and kind let's of humanize the shit. Backtracking. It's, like, no, no, that, it's not what the movie's about. That movie's about survival at its purest form and, and uh, inescapable like evil. You know what I mean? I know. I totally agree with that. Okay. Then uh, what you, did you see the newest Halloween? Yeah. Um, I love that team. Like, your thoughts on that to finish out? Yeah. Like Danny McBride and all those dudes. I like those guys. And, and they did a pretty good job making it feel like it belonged with the original stuff. But then... Mm-hmm it's it's laced with way too much like modern social issues that it, uh, that i'm just like okay i get it i get it i get it i get it yeah it, it just hits a point right now where I, this is probably probably a uh uh career suicide me sanction like this on, on air but uh, oh, that's all this podcast is about for us <laughs> dude it's like sometimes i just want you to leave the social issues at the door and go tell a goddamn good story 
and there's just so I, no i get that there's so much of it right now and it's at the end of the day it's just clickbait ultimately and it's like okay it's more important for us to lace something with social like the new terminator stuff it's more important for us to lace it with social issues so that way people will literally click on stuff mm -hmm. than it is for us to tell a decent story because people just don't seem to be interested in in basic stories anymore you know i don't know i don't know who, who? no i totally get that i mean i feel like we're still kind of in the tail end of the remake whole phase going on right now kind of yeah teaming into the whole adventure franchise more yeah, and these guys just chase, like these guys, the people that make money on these things just chase our attention. And it really, it's just attention span stuff. And and they're, the clickbait is important because we were inundated with so much advertising and so much stuff. And you look at how they do it for the comic book movies where they'll take a character and change a character and they'll do something that they know will piss us off or piss off the audience. And it's actually better for us to be pissed because us talking about how enraged we are and how pissed off we are drives attention to the movie and then that makes the movie more money. So it's just, right. it's all intentional. And sometimes when I watch this stuff, I'm like, okay, I see what you're doing. I see it. Okay. <laughs> I see your tricks. Yeah, I see your tricks, guys. All right. <laughs> Cynical. <laughs> uh, for some, maybe some of our uh, cult classic themes we have for our actual podcast, uh, favorite aspects during the filmmaking process, what are some of your favorite aspects? One of my favorite parts of making a movie, and one of the reasons why I like to do everything practically, like most of my effects are all practical effects. So when you watch 12K... Which we, we really appreciate here. We are, we're somewhat anti-CGI. Good. And when you watch 12KM, all of that like internal microscopic stuff that looks like it's CGI, that was literally shot in the basement of a scientist's house in like Pennsylvania. And we shot oh, all awesome. that stuff through high-powered microscopes, and I cut open the or, uh, like the the organ kind of meat moving around i was curious how you got that shot yeah so we use this fluid it's called ferrofluid which is a magnetic oil and because i needed to puppeteer the uh the actual oil so i was able to do that with magnets so i was able to hide magnets under a table and actually move fluid across the surface of a table um oh, that's and, awesome and i had this idea of uh when you see the character screaming and the creature sort of infecting him, I wanted to go into his head and show it uh, covering his brain. And I had this cool idea of, of uh, we got a sheep's brain, cut it in half, stuck it in a tray, and on one side of the tray, I filled it with that fluid. And uh, the uh, basic idea was that I was just gonna drag this high-powered magnet and the fluid would cover the brain. And that was kind of the vibe. And so I'm, oh, cool. I'm staring at the monitor and I start to pull the magnet and there's no fluid. And I'm like, where the fuck did the fluid go? Well, the brain absorbed it all. So it was all inside the brain. So as I moved the magnet, it was moving bits and pieces of the brain. So it was uh, accidental, but really cool looking. Oh, crazy. Really cool. <laughs> oh, that kind of bleeds into the next one. Uh, our next category is questions, comments, animosity. I mean, for this, this is just us kind of nitpicking, but for you, are there any like obvious loopholes that you know you left in a movie or like a scene that you couldn't finish maybe to technical difficulties that just pissed you off that you kind of had to alter a movie for? Oh, dude, I, all of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine. Is, what, what, is there one that in particular that is the most aggravating? Um, well, it's hard with, see, with 12KM is difficult because I decided to do that movie in Russian. So I shot that entire movie in a language that I don't speak. 
Um, I did have a lot of questions about that, even just casting and where you where you pulled everybody from. Yeah, we I did casting sessions. Well, on a side tangent, one of the cool things about doing that, initially, I cast this movie and I said, look, I'm going to make it Russian because I knew I had such a small budget and I probably couldn't get my hands on great actors. And so I just figured that if they were speaking Russian and they were in a different language and they didn't do a good job acting, the audience would just be like, oh, they're Russian. So, you know, big deal. So I figured it was like a, a cheap way around getting not great actors. But what happened as a side effect of that is that most Russian actors are always typecast. They're typecast as villains. They're typecast as henchmen. They're typecast as bad guys. And so Mm -hmm. since I went out, and we cast in New York, since I went out with a film that didn't have those characters and I had a lot of really juicy roles for uh, talent, I had the pick of the litter for like really great uh, Russian talent. Um, The guy who plays Ernst, who plays the professor in it, um, he's in a, a famous Russian stage act. He's like Al Pacino from Russia, essentially. So, like, I was going to say, like, it didn't really need to lean on the fact that we couldn't understand the language. That the acting really does hold up too, which I, all across. Like, I, I was initially watching. I was like, oh, I wonder how much of this is me reading subtitles. But that was just kind of a fleeting moment because I was like, wow, everyone is acting the shit out of it. Yeah, dude. Well, and that was the trick. For me, I tried to direct this movie. I had two. I had two translators on set. Uh, one translator to tell me what they said. The other, the other translator to tell me if they were lying. Um, <laughs> but uh, basically, I watched the movie like you watched the movie. So even when I was doing mm-hmm. the takes, I just watched it as an American that doesn't understand the language. And it became almost like a silent film. At that point, we were working on body language. I was working on all this stuff uh, visually. So that way, you could watch this film without reading the subtitles. You can watch the whole movie and go holy fuck, this is a great movie, and then go back and watch the, read it with the subtitles. Um, and uh, it worked out really great. And the only way I was able to pull that off is that through the casting sessions, I ran the casting sessions in Russian, so I had no idea what the people were saying. And I had one of the actors who plays the lead, he helped me with the casting session because he speaks Russian and English. And mm-hmm. uh, he, <clears throat> we had a lot of the talent come in and read for the part, and they brought in their own material. So they just brought in stuff. Um, oh, that's a good idea. And I was sitting there at the desk watching this guy come in. This old guy comes in really great, and he starts to read this stuff. And I, I don't know Russian. <laughs> you would think I would know it by now, but I don't. So he comes in, and uh, he starts to read for us. And I'm, I'm watching him, and, and he's just, his cadence is like, blah, 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 blah. And he's got this cadence. I'm very long pauses in between it. And I'm just leaning mm-hmm. forward at the, in, on the desk. I'm like, this is an amazing performance. This guy's fucking fantastic. Um, and so he finishes. I thank him. He sh- I shake his hand. He leaves. And I turn to the, the, the guy running the casting session. I go, he's amazing. We should cast him. He goes, he's terrible. He couldn't remember the lines. <laughs> I know what that, sc- that story is. He didn't tell the story right. It was god awful. And I go, this movie's going to work. <laughs> this movie's going to work. <laughs> um, so that being said, doing it a movie in a different language takes a lot of your concentration, a lot of your, your time and your, your, your process with it. Um, there's I can a, imagine. There, there was a bunch of moments in, in uh, 12 Cam when I was doing the cutting that some of the continuity wasn't working right for me. Um, and luckily, what I did is in uh, after I was doing the editing, I went and I shot more inserts and more of that material. And I was able to use that to cover it up. But there's always moments whenever you're doing a movie where, like, even, no matter how hard you plan, uh, shit in real life starts to change on you. And you have to roll with those punches and make it really great. But 
it is frustrating when you start doing your first assemble edit where you're just like, if I had only got a shot of the fucking door, then this would make sense. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Uh, next category. Uh, this is our Holy Trinity. Uh, this is when we put our three character actors into a film. To start, I want to do Who's There because it's such a small cast. And right now it's all a male uh, cast for our Holy Trinity. So Danny DeVito, Christopher Walken, and Nicolas Cage. If you have to recast them in Who's There, who's playing who? <laughs> okay, obviously. Obviously. Uh, Danny DeVito's playing the babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I get that. I want to see him. Yeah, being scared. Yeah, he's totally with with his amazing always sunny shit. I love him in always sunny. <laughs> uh, he would be perfect for that. Uh, Nicholas Cage would play the mom uh, because he could fly okay, off yeah, the she's, rails. She, 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 yeah, she has some emotional parts. She gets a little hysterical. Yeah, I think that the whole bathroom sequence that happens with the mom in my movie would would resemble more of the bathroom sequence from Mandy. At that point, I'm just stuck on Danny DeVito hiding behind the chair right now and just being terrified. <laughs> and then, and then, who was the other one? It was Christopher Walken. Uh, Nicholas Cage was. Or we already did Christopher Walken. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, he Christopher Walken playing the dad when he comes in from the house. It would be this whole staccato. Uh, the, I think the sequence would probably be about five minutes longer if he was. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. If you want to play with it, also for fun, our old uh, Holy Trinity is Keanu Reeves, Jeff Goldblum, or Brendan Fraser. If you want to them into uh into the 12 km oh my god keanu reeves would have to be the lead because keanu yeah, reeves, he has to be he has to be the lead i mean he's he's a great dude to watch on screen and he's <laughs> doesn't it almost this. seem offensive to brendan fraser though where's he go isn't he a lead <laughs> no brandon fraser would be he'd be a walk-on he'd be the uh one of the miners <laughs> that are at the hole talking about not having enough sex so he okay that makes sense i get that he'd literally be a walk-on <laughs> and then who is the other one jeff goldblum and you don't want to underutilize that oh jeff goldblum would obviously be the professor obviously be the yeah professor. He's a, now do you want do you want an older jeff goldblum a current or do you want him still a little bit younger a little sexier jurassic park i want i want i want uh i want the fly jeff goldblum i want to go all okay the way. okay yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's a good one yeah 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 all yeah. right <laughs> those are all great <laughs> that's fun that's a fun game dude uh and then mount rushmore mount rushmore top four Uh, for this one, I was choosing just what are your top four inspirational filmmakers? It doesn't necessarily have to be like cult classic. It can be just you know, like Spielberg, Ron Howard, if you want. But mm -hmm. the four uh, filmmakers that inspire you. Ridley Scott, John Carpenter, Steven Spielberg. Straight up. Have those? How many? How many did you want? Four? You, you got one more. You got one more if you want it. I would say those guys and then uh, throw in a little David Lynch in there. I think. Okay. I think that's the combo. I think uh, the, that that group of four kind of is what made is definitely what made Twelve Cam is that group of four. Awesome, man! Uh, and then just lastly, uh, for people to check out your work, uh, where can you send people? So uh, you can go on over to uh, mikepetchy.com and you'll be able to see a lot of my music videos and stuff. But the only way you'll be able to see these movies that you guys saw. Uh, is that you have to follow me on Instagram. And if it, you follow me on Instagram and write me a note, write me a message on Instagram with your three favorite short films, or no, your three favorite horror movies, rather. Um, and if I agree with you, then I, I could send you <laughs> your own private link to 12KM. And then who's there next week? 
or this coming week, I'm actually going to uh, be releasing only to fans. So the only way that you can see this stuff is if you follow me on Instagram at Mike Petchy. And then um, I also have my own podcast. I got a podcast called In Love With The Process um, that I dig deep into how to survive as a filmmaker because it takes fucking 10 years before anybody even recognizes who you are. Um, and so really I dig deep into like how I've survived, but then I also talk to uh, people that work in the business, anybody who's turned away from a nine to five job, uh, and leaned in heavily into this crazy life. Um, and it's a great show. So it's, uh, two, two good places. So it's in love with the process.com. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Spotify, all that stuff. Uh, awesome. And yeah. as people that are also leaning into uh, music and uh, podcasting, we can we can highly endorse both those. So make sure you follow him and reach out for those because we love both films. So thanks. Reach dude. out, everybody. Yeah, man. And I appreciate and you guys watching the, fl- the, the flicks. Uh, what did you think of who's there? Did you dig it? Oh, dude, I totally did. Uh, just I, I forget, forget which one I want. I think I watched uh, Twelve Cam first, and so initially that already was like, oh, holy shit, this guy's this guy's really good. So I had high expectations, and both lived up, man. I, I appreciated him. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, they're both. I mean, I'm not allowed to talk about with who, but they're both uh, in uh, development for features right now. Uh, two big uh, production companies are are working on them. Uh, Twelve Cam is still going, and then um, we're actually getting some good traction with the who's there. So. Uh, fingers crossed. That's, that's, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hopefully. <laughs> awesome. Well, it was great again talking to you. Uh, and thanks for joining us on Cold Classics. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. That was our interview with Mike Petchy. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you follow him on all of his social media to get access to some of those films. There's awesome stuff. We highly do recommend it. And who knows? Maybe we'll do some more interviews in the future. We'll check you guys later. Bye.